0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance cdkng.com slash bball for eligibility deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources.
1: Yo, what is going on guys? Welcome to another episode of the EPA podcast right here on bleeding. Green Nation. I'm your host today, Victor Williams. Be sure to follow me on all platforms at the Philly Pod here to talk about the Eagles. First loss of the season that was bound to happen. Just didn't think it would come at the hands of Taylor Heineke and the Washington Commanders. Joined, as always, by my co-host on here. You could follow him on Twitter at Half and Half TPL. Go check out his uh, YouTube channel. Phenomenal Breakdowns on all things Eagles. He is Shane Half, man uh i'm glad we did this a day like we got a day to stew on it because if this happened like immediately after the game i'd be on here screaming and and firing and calling people names and and everything so it's a good thing that we do this on wednesdays and we have time to sit on it come back down to reality and look at things you know through a uh, through a level-headed uh I, you're a pretty level-headed guy regardless so maybe i'm the more
2: emotional one here but
1: how you feeling man eight and one not the end of the world despite what many people
2: may say, but the first loss on the board. Yeah, it always sucks, especially when it's on primetime and uh, especially when it's been so long since the last game. You spent all this time anticipating getting ready. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: I guess we could say the silver lining is the Eagles once again have a short week, so we don't have to wallow in it as long as we normally would. Uh, but always sucks to lose a game, especially one that went down how that did on Monday night. So not feeling great, but but I'm ready to Ready to record this podcast, then flush this game away and get ready for Sunday.
1: Yeah, today is like the last day I want to spend just just even thinking about this game. Because it's not like that the Eagles got outplayed. They they did at some levels, obviously. uh, Ball security was an issue. They still can't stop the run, which we'll get into. And we'll uh, talk about why that's going to be a problem moving forward. But a lot of self-inflicted mistakes. You can look at the... the, uh, the the just the the weird, like, the pass to A.J. Brown, like, right through. I understand it went through the defender's hands first, but right in the breadbasket to A.J. Brown and then just, like, bounced to the defender's chest. You have Quez Watkins, who on any other week and any other game of his life, he just catches it in stride and runs into the end zone. The last uh, Monday night, for whatever reason, he decided to fall into it. Um, I'm not sure if he was, like, scared he wasn't going to get there in time and wanted to fall into it or scared of potentially dropping it and then you get up and try to run. You can't do that in that situation. You have NFL prime athletes on your back <laughs> trying to trying to tackle you. So you got to stay down, live to see another down. I understand Quez wanted to make something happen for a struggling offense to that point. Uh, but uh, but that's just, just a lot of weird things that happened in this game. Uh, we can all, of course, point to the officials and a lot of the weird calls that happened in this game. I don't like to blame the refs in any scenario, but there was obviously blatant calls uh, that were missed that not only costed us the win but costed us our star tight end which we'll talk about later so so Shane you're your, just your general consensus coming off this game um, is it time for panic is there things that we need to worry about moving forward or is this just a weird game that happened on a weird night and you just
2: move forward and the Eagles are still the best team in football I think it's I think it's mostly just a weird game on a weird night where stuff happened I mean I've seen people say the blueprint is out for how you beat the Eagles and Somebody somebody told me on Twitter, you know, the Texans showed the blueprint and, and then it was followed by the commanders like, well, the Texans followed that blueprint and they lost by 12. Like, it wasn't even a particularly close game. If the blueprint is to double up the time of possession to convert third downs at a historic rate while relying on the Eagles to double their turnover margin for the whole year and then eke out a one score game like in, in large part, like there's this was a frustrating game to watch almost as soon as the game was over, I just kind of flushed that frustration. Cause I was like, there was just so many weird things that all happened at once. I mean, the Eagles have turned the ball over three times all season. They turned it over. If you want to count the last play, the hook and ladder, I don't, that didn't really matter. But <laughs> outside of that, they turned it over three times in this game. They doubled their turnovers for the season in one game. It's hard to win a game doing that. And they were still there. They had the ball in their hands at just outside of two minutes down one score. So if one of the any number of things that broke the wrong way in this game break right, they win the game. And so you can can be concerned about the defense if you want to, and we'll get into that. But I thought the offense played well in this game. If we want to start with the offense, I thought the offense played fine. I mean, I know they only put up 21 points. It was a weird game. They only possessed the ball for 19 and a half minutes. They had four drives in the first half. They scored touchdowns on two of them. They were moving the ball on the third before the interception, which is a throw that I sat here after the Steelers game, and I said, I wouldn't make that throw. You're putting it into double coverage on A.J. Brown. I wouldn't make that throw. Jalen Hurts is going to make that throw. And so he made it in the Steelers game for a touchdown. He made it here, and it's an interception. It's a bad break. Um, You could argue that A.J. Brown should have come down with it. You could argue that Hurts shouldn't have thrown it. You could argue that Hurts shouldn't have thrown it because A.J. Brown was playing on a hurt ankle that he hurt on his first reception. The bottom line is Jalen Hurts is going to take that shot. And more than often, A.J. Brown is either going to come down with it or it's going to be incomplete. So, you know, that happens. You get the three and out in the two-minute drill. They only had four possessions in the first half, and I thought they moved the ball well. And then you get fumbles on back-to-back drives, and it's some bad luck on that. Obviously, the Dallas Goddard getting his face ripped off probably contributes to him fumbling the ball there. There's no real excuse for the Quez Watkins thing other than it's just it's a litany of errors and you're not going to expect that to happen. So I'm not concerned in the least about the offense. I thought the offense actually played pretty well in this game.
1: Yeah, the concern level, uh, at least offensively, to your point, uh, probably shouldn't be that high. We'll have to keep an eye on we'll probably see the injury report later today. if uh, if that ankle is still bothering A.J. Brown. I know Smitty came out with a hand, I think it was, at some point, and he made his way back in. Obviously, we know the news of Dallas Goddard. That we'll dive into uh, later on. But the Jalen Hurts, my my thing with the – and I agree with you, Shane, that that's probably a poor throw in that situation. You want to – your offense is stagnant. You're not getting a lot of things. You just – your defense just came off the field on a really long drive, and Hurts taking a shot downfield to potentially get off the field quickly again (laughs) probably isn't the best thing. For your defense but that's how the offense has been all year quick hitting we can score fast we can score in bunches and we're gonna we're gonna hit you quickly um i think that uh for, for the people that say it's just a uh a a how to i don't not not a bad throw but like these are plays that aj was making all year so if aj comes down with it it's obviously not a bad bad throw i like i mentioned it came it went through defenders hands first initially and then to aj and then bounced back to the defender so a weird play um in all strides i'm not i'm not really upset with it with the throw because we've seen AJ do it all year long. So it just didn't go our way this time. And like like we've mentioned all season long, when you win the turnover battle, more often than not, you win the game. Uh the 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 three turnovers in this game lead leads to their first loss and a lot of them are strange. I think if Jalen Hurts had a chance to uh to to potentially win this game, I think he does come away with the win because they had the, the quest thing uh that's just just weird, like bad bad decision, weird luck, the ball bouncing the way it did, everything about that was strange. The Dallas Goddard fumble that led to three more points for Washington. Jalen Hurts tried to get his team in position. And for large for, for the most part, he did. And just weird fluky stuff. Uh was, was just the, the Eagles were a victim of just things went their way for eight weeks. The ninth week not not so much. You can't expect it to go down uh every every single week. So the Eagles now sit at eight and one. And uh defensively is where we have our is where we have our issues, because for the second consecutive week, the Eagles got gashed by the run. And it's actually been happening all year, but more on the more, more, uh, more like like dangerously in the in the last two weeks with Damian Pierce. And now Brian Robinson, who averaged three point three yards per carry, had 86 yards and a touchdown. And an interesting stat I saw from you, Shane, I believe it was. You said that uh, Brian Robinson ran for a certain amount of yards before contact and a certain amount of yards after contact showing that the Eagles cannot <laughs> tackle. And that's been the theme, uh, all season long. What about this defense is most is most worrisome for you thus far into the season.
2: Yeah. So Brian Robinson had 1.4 yards per carry before contact in this game. He had 1.9 yards per carry after contact. And so more than half of his yardage came after contact. And so, you know, we've talked about tackling from this defense being an issue. It continues to be an issue, but, I saw a lot of people on Twitter, still seeing a lot of people on Twitter that are ready to fire Jonathan Gannon, and this is all on Gannon, and I'm not there. I thought schematically, the, the, the idea, the game plan was fine. The execution was not. It was awful. I mean, we talk about the run defense. Washington averaged 3.1 yards per carry on the night, and they were constantly on third in third downs. Washington ranked 27th in the league in third down conversions coming into that game at 34%. But they were 12 of 16 on third downs in the fourth quarter. And it wasn't just running. In the first half, they converted five consecutive third downs throwing the ball. And so I thought the game plan was to make them get into third downs and then get off the field. And they didn't execute on third downs. Uh, and, And it wasn't just the run. It was the pass primarily, the secondary, which we want to call elite. The secondary let down the defense as well. Slay had maybe his worst game as an Eagle, certainly his worst game this season. Yeah, I'd have to go back and rewatch the DK Metcalf game, and I don't want to put myself through that uh, to decide. <laughs> but, and I thought a lot of that stemmed from Avante Maddox being out. Um, you know, So much of what the Eagles do, they want to pass off these routes and zone coverage and man-matching principles and things. And on the first drive, there were two different plays that I thought slay expected Josiah Scott to carry a route more vertically than he did. And it was an easy completion and just something that small, like cornerback is a very, uh, vibe sort of position. It's about the momentum. It's about the confidence. And so if Darius slay has to go from reacting to thinking for that half second, what's this guy that I haven't played with much going to do, you get that hesitancy and then he got carved up over the rest of the game. And maybe it's one of those things where just a little communication issue started to snowball downhill throughout the game. So we know Avante Maddox is out at least three more games. uh, They're going to have to work on that. And Maddox has missed a game earlier this season. He's been a little banged up this year. So maybe these reps prove invaluable for Slay working with Josiah Scott in the event that you need Josiah Scott down the stretch. But I really just felt like, the defensive plan was fine. It was just not executed by players on third down. And that comes into tackling. It comes into coverage. Um, the Eagles were just unable to get off of the field. And the Washington never broke a long run. Their long run was eleven yards. So that that 3.1 yards per carry, they were just consistently getting three, four yards. They were, you know, the, the Eagles didn't get them into second and tens. It was always second and seven. And that's fine. As long as you can get those stops on third downs. So they just couldn't do it. Yeah.
1: The 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 long methodical drives are definitely, I think, what uh was were the culprit of how, how the Eagles got beat in this game. It's hard to get into a rhythm on offense when you're sitting on the sidelines for 10, 12, 15 minutes at a time. Come on back on the field, three and out, back on the sidelines. It's hard to get into a rhythm uh when when you're sitting on the sidelines for that long. Reminiscent of like Chip Kelly and his up tempo stuff, like that's how I felt when I was watching this game. I was like, Man, we're seeing a lot of the defense, and it's probably why, like Fletcher Cox played seventy snaps. I don't know the last time Fletcher Cox ever played 70, 70 snaps in a game in the last few years. Uh, but,
2: oh, but was Fletcher Cox on the football field Monday yeah, hell, hell night? Hell, I never I know, saw him. Was hell, he
1: there? People will tell me uh, that he like he chased Heineke out of bounds on one play. I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. well, I'm glad I'm glad he's making an impact. Um, but yeah, Cox is Cox is definitely looking uh, cooked out there. He had a good start, but he's, he's tapering off. And man, this fourteen million dollar contract might be the last one uh, uh, he gets here. But that's obviously a conversation um, um, down the road. At one point in the in the second quarter, the Eagles only ran uh, up until the five minute mark around there in the second quarter. The Eagles only ran twelve players total in the uh, in the second quarter. So so you're not going not a lot of scoring opportunities when you're on the field for that long. Obviously, uh, they got in the end zone pretty quickly in the beginning. But man, they the 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 blueprint, as as fans will say, is definitely just pound the run. When when Jordan Davis isn't in because the the large part of Jordan Davis being in the game was at least being there on first downs stuff the run and then force the opposition into second and third and long situations when he's not there and the offense is getting four or five, six yards on first down. They can continue to keep running the ball and then it's not forcing them into passing down. So I think that also has a lot to do with it. I think Marlon Tua Pelotu struggled a lot. He's not really the nose tackle you want up there. <laughs> so uh, I'm not sure how Gannon and company are going to rectify this until until Davis comes back. I don't think he's. Uh, I think the timeline for him is to be back around the Titans game, which obviously we'll need when when King Henry comes to town. But next week you have Jonathan Taylor, you got Aaron Jones, you got some really good running backs coming up. And if you have Damian Pierce and Brian Robinson bouncing off you guys, I don't know what the expectation is going to be <laughs> with these all pro runners. Uh, uh, coming to town, how concerned should we be? Shane, is this a Can we, can we, is there any faith in stopping the run moving forward until Jordan Davis comes back, or do we have to get well, or do we have to get well acquainted with the fact that running backs are just going to run
2: for 80 plus yards and potentially more until Davis returns? So, there's kind of two parts to that. The first thing is, I think the Eagles will take their performance against the run on Monday night now, obviously not against Damian Pierce, but. What Brian Robinson did, I think the Eagles will take that and they'll identify the problem as getting off the field on those third downs. But well, Gibson had 44 yards himself, so like it's it's
1: well over 100 yards as a collective
2: effort. So yeah, the larger issue is the way the Eagles have to structure their defense now to stop the run. It takes so many resources out of pass coverage. You've had people, you know, why are they? Why is Slay playing soft on Terry McLaurin? Well. He's playing soft on Terry McLaurin because it it all starts up front with Jordan Davis, and Jordan Davis will not stuff a stat sheet. Uh, People that did not like the Jordan Davis pick are going to point to his lack of stats at the end of year as a reason why it was a bad pick.
1: That was me, but (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I wanted Kyle Hamilton.
2: That's the guy I wanted. How's he doing this year, anyway? (laughs) Really bad, really bad. Well, (laughs) I did too. Kyle Hamilton was the number one guy on my board, Uh, and. And he has not been good. He's who I wanted, but I had Jordan Davis in my top 10 on my big board. So I wasn't as upset about it as a lot of people were. Um, but he, what he does, it, it it's not so much that it's going to show up on a stat sheet, but that he makes other players better. This was the worst Kazeer White game and the worst TJ Edwards game of the year. And that's because Jordan Davis isn't there. Without him there to control you know, the center and both A-gaps, it forced, the Eagles don't have anybody else that can do that. They started to play Javon Hargrave as the nose, but he was kind of shaded to one side. He's not truly controlling both gaps, and so it forces especially T.J. Edwards to play downhill into gaps faster, and that's not something that he's great at. He's used to sitting back and being able to read it out, and so there were times that T.J. Edwards was too tentative coming forward, and that's because he's not playing behind Davis anymore, and so it messes with that. It messes with your safeties. Like now your okay, safeties well, have to fill down, f- downfield faster against the run, yeah, which well, we means might have
1: some, uh, might have some help on the way per, per breaking news. You ready for this name? Oh,
2: drop it, drop it. What do we so got?
1: Schefter reports two time pro bowl defensive tackle Linval Joseph, former giant second round pick who also played for the Vikings and the chargers is planning to sign a one year deal with the Eagles. The 34 year old Joseph will embark upon his 13th NFL season for a team that desperately needs run support. Schefter also adds that Joseph believes he is ready to play and could make his Eagles debut Sunday against the Colts. So the Eagles know they have issues. Now we're trying to re- Robert, Quinn, We're going to bring in all these old guys and hope we can just fill the void in the meantime. I don't know how Linval Joseph has been in recent years, um, but uh, some run help on the way.
2: <laughs> all right. I, Lin, what does he have? He has uh... – <laughs> 300, 330, 6'4, 330 pounds. All right. All right. Throw him so, in there. Throw him in the gap and at least make the offense recognize him. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Lynn, he has not played this season. I was going to try to pull up his stats from a year ago. Uh, if my computer will cooperate here. Let's see. He played 608 snaps last year for the Chargers. Uh, Uh, Okay. He played 550 defensive snaps for the chargers uh, almost exclusively aligned as a a nose tackle, 200 snaps at nose tackle. And then he had another 200 plus snaps uh, aligned as a defensive tackle. So uh, that'll do it. That'll help boost your run defense uh, just a, just a little bit. So um, that's, that's a good signing. I like to see that move there. Uh, He now, Granted, the Chargers were also atrocious against the run last year, and he was kind of the focal point of their defense up front there. So (laughs) there's a reason why he's not on a team. All right. we will just say that for what it's worth. uh, There's a reason he's not on a team. He played for a horrific run defense last year, but he's a big boy, and he will not be worse than Marlon Tui Pelotu at the nose. I can promise you that. So that's not going to fix all their problems, but uh, it can help. It's something else to try. Um, Back to what I was saying about the safeties. It's forcing your safeties to play downhill more as well to stop the run, which is why you see Darius Slay playing six, seven yards off of Terry McLaurin. Like, could you put Slay up and press coverage on McLaurin and him win 85% of the reps? You could those two or three reps that he doesn't win are touchdowns. If Heineke puts it on target, because he's not going to have safety help over the top. And so it, it, it all starts up front, but it, its ripple effects go throughout the whole defense and how you can structure it. So um you could argue that the Eagles that Gannon should be trying some different things. Maybe you just go into a true 4-3 as your base defense and uh get into single high looks, the Jim Schwartz style of defense to go plus 1 in the box and you know there were faults with that approach too. It stopped the run, it was weaker against the pass. The Eagles were constantly getting deep and so I understand the frustration and that it's not aesthetically pleasing, but there's a reason that offenses hunt explosive plays. It's hard to execute a 15 play drive. So I like the approach. I would like to see some adjustments now. I'm not sure that they're going to adjust based on the fact they're going to sign Linval Joseph. I'd like to see him try a few different things, but I guess we'll see going forward how Gannon decides to address the lack of Jordan Davis and how he structures the defense. Even once Davis is back.
1: Mhm Linval Joseph's ranking as a run defender among interior defensive linemen in the past 3 years he was ranked 54th in 2019 38th in 2020 50th last year with a minimum of 50% defensive snap per pff so i mean i mean there's nothing wrong with adding a beefy 330 pounder in the middle of that line and praying to god that at least he will you know command attention up front while obviously Tua Polotu wasn't the answer uh, I heard Milton Williams name a couple times throughout the game. I'm not sure, Shane, you wouldn't know better than me where he was aligned and what his role was. I'm going to assume it wasn't a uh, nose tackle. So, so I don't think he was he was he was doing that. Uh, but I think the most effective to your point was when they had Hargrave up there. But he was uh, he he was shaded. He was shaded to one side for the most part. So it's hard to uh, that that run defense is is bad, and the Eagles know they have Jonathan Taylor coming up. Like I mentioned, Aaron Jones, Derek Henry, uh, you got to deal with Saquon twice. You still got Zeke, you know, uh, coming coming up Christmas Eve. They they know that we cannot continue this method of getting gashed on the ground, having our defense out there for 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 eight to nine minutes at a time, having our offense go three and out, come back on the field, and expect them to be fully fully healthy for the first time I can remember this season. I saw glimpses of it uh, in Houston, but they look gassed this time around. And this is why we're not hearing Fletcher Cox's name because once he gets tired, his back is turned, and we're not seeing him do a whole lot. So, so it's it's you know it's just the the way it goes when you can't stop the run. Let's hope that Linvald Joseph uh, up in the middle can uh, can can help rectify that until Jordan Davis comes off IR. One good thing defensively, we'll have to give him his flower. C.J. Gardner Johnson with his fifth straight game recording an interception. That's now six and five games. First, uh, first safety since 2015 uh, to do it. The last guy to do it, I believe, was the name. The name is escaping me. Uh, uh, uh I just looked at it. It's uh, uh Kirk Coleman with Carolina. He was the last guy to do it in 2015. CJ Gardner-Johnson is the first safety, the first Eagles player in general since 1970 to record an interception in five straight games. So, with every week as we uh, as, as we keep moving. Looks like CJ is going to be that prime candidate to get extended. He's proving he can play at that safety position. The deal was made prior to the offseason. I'll play safety for you guys if you play well at safety. We'll pay you like a safety and sh- and and I mean interceptions are a good good number to bring into your negotiations. So as he might be, you know, people will tell you he's 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 a benefit of good placement. I feel like the interception was 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 pretty. I think I don't think this particular interception. Uh, against Washington was right place right time I think he just made a good play on the ball and he almost had another one out in the end zone earlier in the game but CJ uh proving that he's worth the money Shane as 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 the year (laughs) continues
2: yeah yeah he had a good game that was a good interception um yeah that was was a good one right that was his most that was his (laughs) most impressive interception in terms of not just I mean obviously it's a lousy throw by Heineke you shouldn't make
1: um
2: but he read that out from a split field safety. He got out to the boundary and he made a play and he attacked it at the catch point. There's a lot of, a lot of safeties, a lot of defensive backs that could have knocked that ball down that might not have intercepted it. So he's got good hands for sure. And had to feel good for him. I think that it was one or two plays after he got flagged for the late hit too. So um, had to feel good to get a little bit of redemption there. I tweeted that clip out and I said, the ball don't lie, uh, which is a safe thing to say on Twitter. Uh, It is not a safe thing to say on the bench of a high school basketball game you're coaching. I almost got ejected from a game a couple years ago for that. Um, But I can say it on Twitter now safely. I I would have loved to have had Chauncey Gardner Johnson mic'd up and heard him say that too. But yeah, ball don't lie. Chauncey Gardner Johnson gets the ball back there. Um, And, you know, it's just incredible the streak that he's on. Uh, I don't, I I certainly don't expect him to get an interception every game for the rest of the year, but he doesn't show any signs of slowing down. I I do wonder. I think it's, I think you're right. I think there's probably was a deal in place to come here, play well, we'll pay you. Uh, I I don't know how much I'd be willing to pay a safety though. If you're going to assuming that you're going to keep Jonathan Gannon as your defensive coordinator, you're going to play this quarter style of defense. These, Split field safeties, you know, we're not talking about the single high safety that has hash to hash range, whatever, a sideline to sideline range, split field safeties are not asked to do as much. And so, I mean, I would certainly pay him. Uh, I don't know if I'm not going to I'm not willing to make a safety a top paid player at his position, though, uh, in terms of that positional value. So it's going to be an interesting thing for the Eagles to think about Uh, if this is the defensive philosophy they're going to play. How much are you willing to pay him? If you get him into like the bottom end of that top 10 money, that, that's great. Do you really want to pay a safety $20 million a year to do this? Uh, they have not valued the safety position in the past. You know, they let Malcolm Jenkins walk uh, instead of paying him at the end of his time here. They've consistently resisted drafting safeties on the first two days of the draft. So I don't know if they're they're kind of at a crossroads of how they are going to choose to value a position they traditionally haven't valued. I, I'm really interested to see what they do with not only uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, but also Marcus Epps, who is on the last year of his deal as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Top paid safeties in the NFL right now: Derwin James at 19 million a year. You have Brinkoff as Patrick, 18.2 million a year. Jamal Adams on the worst contract probably in the league, 17.5 million dollars. Harris Smith, 16 million. Justin Simmons, 15 million. Buddha Baker, 14.7 million. So I assume you'd pay him around that Buddha Baker. Price range, like I don't think he's gonna get Derwin James money, by any yeah. means. but that 15, you know, 14, 15 million dollar a year price tag is probably what they're going to be aiming for. I'm not sure what the Saints initially offered C.J. Uh, at the nickel spot, but obviously he wasn't happy with that, so maybe this contact will be a little more enticing uh, for, for him coming coming the offseason. But six interceptions, still leading the league, I believe. Uh, Tariq Woolen is right on him, though. He is, he is, he is right on <laughs> with those interceptions. That rookie in Seattle is having an impressive year as well, albeit it's not to be very fair. hard. Yeah, pick off say, like, to on fair, Tom Brady.
2: <laughs> yeah, to be fair, Chauncey Gardner Johnson hasn't got to cover Tom Brady and pick off a pass <laughs> thrown by Leonard Fournette. We should throw that one out. That doesn't even count.
1: Yeah, that might be that might be the most like as far as like lineups on, on the outside, that might be the most like that might be the biggest disparity between athleticism, between a, a wide receiver technically on a play and an opposing quarterback. Because Tariq Woolen is a freak of nature athletically. Tom Brady obviously fell on his route. So so not hard to uh, not not hard to uh, uh to do that. Uh, Shane, is there anything else you want to hit on for this game before we go to a break and talk about Dallas Goddard and a little bit more on newly acquired a uh, Linval joseph uh after the break any other final points you want to you want to hit them
2: maybe not necessarily about this game but tom brady notably ran like a 5.1740 <laughs> well. to equal 4.2 you know, yeah. <laughs> big athleticism disparity there but yeah you you mentioned the numbers there i, I think the Eagles would love to get chauncey gardner johnson in a 14 15 million dollar a year sort of thing uh, i think they should jump on that that derwin james money though that's expensive especially when you're about to pay a quarterback so Um, a lot of fascinating decisions that are going to be made with the Eagles. And we've talked about them some before on this podcast, Javon Hargrave, uh, TJ Edwards, all of these guys that are going to be free agents, James Bradbury, there's limited resources to allocate. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they do that down the stretch.
1: Yeah. I'm sure he's going to be the, be the priority. I'm not sure how they're going to rank, how they're going to do all these, uh, all these free agents, but CJ, like like we've mentioned, I'm sure there is a prior deal in place to, uh, to make sure he gets paid if he performs well. And then with every week, he is certainly doing that. Well, guys, as we all know, Eagles now 8-1. and <laughs> They'll try to rectify this moving forward against the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Hopefully uh, they can try and then stop Jonathan Taylor. We'll talk about that a little bit after the break. Stay tuned right here to the EPA podcast. That's Eagles player analysis right here on Bleeding Green Nation.
0: Find a location near you at Bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
2: Welcome back from break here on the EPA podcast. Obviously, the Eagles lost the game on Monday night to the commanders, but the bigger loss was not the biggest loss was not in the win-loss column. It is with the loss of Dallas Goddard, who it has been reported is now expected to miss significant time with a shoulder injury sustained on the face mask fumble uh, mess of a play that happened late in the game in the fourth quarter. So as we talked about before the trade deadline, I believe, Victor, you thought the same thing. But I said that Dallas Goddard injury was the worst injury the Eagles should sustain. A Backup tight end was at the top of my priority list for the trade deadline. I think you were in the same boat with me there.
1: Yeah, definitely. That was that was the scariest uh, uh, injury that could have happened. Like we were saying even before the show, like I could deal with the I could deal with the injury to either AJ or Devontae. Obviously, not long term, but Dallas does so so much for this offense to the point. While trying to replace him, we'll get into the replacement options in, in, in a second. Uh, but trying to replace him is not going to be an easy task. He's arguably the most important player on this offense, other than Jalen Hurts.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, he's just foundational to what the Eagles do That's, you know they run so much of the RPO game and, and you can't do the RPO game if your tight end can't both catch and block he's got to be a threat to do both or the run pass option doesn't work and you know obviously the Eagles have Jack Stoll who is fine as a blocker he's obviously not as good of a blocker as Goddard but he's not much of a weapon in the passing game you have Grant Calcaterra who allegedly as a weapon in the passing game we haven't seen him use much because he doesn't have the ability to block at all and so it, it sort of you can still do things with your run pass game but it's not going to be the same they, they put the ball in Dallas Goddard's hands so many times in screens they trust him to run downfield I said last week I think he's the second best tight end in the NFL and so we mm-hmm. don't know what significant time means uh if we can see if the Eagles put him on IR. If he doesn't go on to IR this week, they obviously don't expect him to miss a month. I think uh, but they... if he goes on to IR, that's really gonna stink for the Eagles over the next couple weeks.
1: I think they have to because Linval Linval Joseph now puts them at the at the 53 man. And if they're going to bring activate Tyree Jackson, they're gonna have to put somebody on IR. So I, I assume they did this with the uh, with, with the known fact that Goddard's probably going on IR.
2: Yeah. and, and... Yeah, we'll, we'll see if they make that move. It, it really stinks because I, I don't know how you replace his production. I, one thing I think you might see is I think you're going to see the Eagles start to spread it out more, go into more four wide sets. If if you can't use Jack Stoll or you can't use Grant Calcaterra the way that you're used to using Dallas Goddard, I would almost rather just see them put Zach Pascal on the field and spread it out a little more. You can still Lighten the box by spreading the field and try to work your slant fat flat RPO game to receivers instead of to Dallas Goddard. So, I wonder if we're going to see a shift away from eleven personnel to more ten personnel with four receivers on the field.
1: Yeah, you see, you see the most we see Calcaterra as of late is in those three tight end sets that 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 they're either going to run or like you mentioned the RPO where Goddard is most likely the uh, the receiving threat in that situation. The way I keep thinking about it. Is that Jack Stahl, like you mentioned, he's he's a fine blocker. Calcaterra is the vertical threat. Hey, he leads the league in yards per reception, one catch, 40 yards uh, among tight ends. So hey, hey, <laughs> there's something, there's something there. But he uh he he's more so the, the 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 pass catcher of the group. So like you have to like pick who you want to take for your packages. It's going to be obvious what the Eagles are doing based on personnel now. You see Stahl out there, I think we're all going to assume uh, it's going to be a running play. Even though Stahl can catch a few passes, we've seen that. Uh Tyree Jackson. Yeah, the other option, I think, his 21-day window expires today. I believe so. They have to legit activate him today if, if they're if they're going to do so, or it's just going to be Calcaterra and Stall. Uh, I assume a third tight end is going to make uh, make their way to the roster. Uh, Noah Tongi, who had a good training camp, he had good uh, he had a good uh, rapport on the field with with Gardner Minshew. I don't know if that's going to translate with Jalen Hurts. We only really have seen him in preseason. I believe he's he's been on the practice squad all year, so those are kind of are kind of the options i don't think the eagles are going to entertain uh free agents but if they do shane these are the these are the names so jimmy graham is out there i thought he retired uh, but i guess he's still there rob is still technically rob gronkowski still on the list even though we know he's he's done eric ebron uh jared cook blake jarwin max williams jay jaw they want to, you know, go down that road again. Give J.J. all call, you know, bring him back into the offense.
2: So Maybe I don't can think... get him to Seattle again if it doesn't. Yeah, work
1: get us a nice little pick. Got to get us a nice little pick. So I think Jared Cook is probably the most intriguing name out there. I was shocked that uh, our, our old friend Dick Rod wasn't wasn't out there, but he's with the Chargers. He's always on on call. He's had seven stints with the Eagles. So I was I was shocked that he was actually with the Chargers when I had looked into it, but it's going to be tough to fill the void of everything that Dallas Goddard does. He is the all-around complete tight end for this offense. he's, He's arguably top three, top two. Like you mentioned, you're not going to find many of them who are as good as blocking as they are as a receiving threat. The Eagles are going to have to try and figure that out now by committee to fill the void by Dallas Goddard. I'm not sure how confident I am in, in them doing that uh, some people are more confident in Stalling Cacatera than i am i i don't know how people can be we've seen them in limited action we've never seen them as the primary tight end options in this offense but i guess we'll have to see how it all shakes out moving forward
2: yeah i, I would fully expect tyree jackson to be activated mm-hmm. there yeah, was I no time the yeah there was no timer for them to activate his practice window if they weren't ca- You know, if they weren't confident he was going to be activated. So if they don't activate him, they have to shut him down for the year. Mm -hmm. And and there's there would be no reason for them to have done that. So I'm almost positive that Tyree Jackson will get activated. He may not quite be ready to play yet, but but people have to remember, I've seen a lot of optimism about Tyree Jackson, that he's played like two quarters in the NFL Mm -hmm. as a tight end and he got injured. Uh, He looked good in training camp. And then he got injured and then he came back and played two quarters and got injured. So he doesn't have experience. He's athletic, but you know, how is he going to do as a blocker? How would he do in live action? I think he would easily come in behind stole. Uh, he's not going to be your primary option. He might even be tied in three on the depth chart. So we'll have to monitor that. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, Good news for Zach Paschal, I guess he's probably going to get on the field a little bit more now. Though. Yeah,
1: he's going to be the primary. Yeah, he's he's going to be he's been exclusively the blocker out of the slot, so now I assume they're going to put him in a, a few more packages. We might have to boot up the old, uh all twenty-two from that from that Dallas game to see what Tyree Jackson is bringing to the offense, <laughs> if that's because that's about the only tape we're going to have of him uh, uh, as far as Tyree Jackson. But he'll probably be activated. I assume Dallas Goddard goes on IR today as Linval Joseph was just acquired. He filled that last. Um, um roster spot. So now we have to start taking a look moving forward to the uh to the Indianapolis Colts who are fired up after Jeff Saturday led win. Matt he said, forget Sam Ellinger, I'll come coach for you, but I'm not gonna have him at quarterback. Bring back Matty Ice, who now has wheels, 39 yard run in that last game, longest of his career, I believe. The Colts are the Colts are a little motivated. They reminded me of how the lines were at the end of last season. They got Jeff Saturday in there. They still got Jonathan Taylor. Matty Ice is a veteran. You know, can't really sleep on him. Michael Pittman, uh, he's a good receiver in his own right. What should the Eagles be wary of? I kind of feel bad for the Colts, though, because I feel like they might catch the wrath of, like, now, now an irritated Eagles team that's just going to go out and just wants to, wants, wants to kill everybody. Uh, how, how on a scale of, like, 1 to 10, like, how concerned should we be with this rejuvenated, seemingly Indianapolis Colts team?
2: I like it, too. I, <laughs> I'm not. I think. I think. They're fired up, man. They're fired up. Coming off a win, pissed off Eagles team that shows up to Indianapolis, and you know, (laughs) you you mentioned Jeff Saturday said he'd come coach if it was Matt Ryan. The funny thing is, like right after the press conference, he affirmed ownership's whole thing that Sam Ellinger was the guy, and then they started Matt Ryan. So. Until he gets uh, somebody in that field and get, saw him
1: throw a couple passes, and he was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah. Somebody
2: needs to get Frank Reich on a podcast or an interview and ask him, hey, how do you feel about the fact that Jeff Saturday got to pick his quarterback and you never did? Uh, hey, but,
1: hey, Frank Reich's whatever. the new uh, 2023 offensive coordinator of the Eagles, and Shane Steichen is probably a head coach next year.
0: So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt Ryan, though, he looked like you know old school Matt Ryan. He completed 17 of his first 21 passes uh he had a time to throw of 2.28 seconds last week which the NFL average is 2.6 so the ball was coming out of just very quick and you mentioned he rushed for, he had that 139 yard run he outrushed Jalen Hurts this weekend so you know Matt, Matt Ryan Matty Ice maybe he just needed to take 2 weeks off and ice up and take a few <laughs> sips from that fountain of youth and he's back I, I don't know uh with the Colts it's not a good team hasn't been a good team this year uh their offensive DVOA is 32nd uh, they've been 31st in both the pass and the run. Matt Ryan was a disaster at the start of the year. He was not under Jeff like Saturday. He was fumbling like crazy. Uh, the, the protection has not been good for him and neither was the run blocking. Uh, they had the 31st rushing DVOA attack. Now, Jonathan Taylor had a good game. Uh, he struggled early in the year a- and then he was banged up. He did have a good game this last week. So, If you're worried about something, that's what you're worried about, I think. Their defense is fine. Their 11th DVOA defense, they're better against the run than they are against the pass. Um, Thinking about the Colts' offense, the offensive line just isn't good. Uh, Quentin Nelson is not what he used to be before his injury. He's still a very good interior offensive lineman, but he's not what he was. But they have Bernard Raymond starting at left tackle, who was a rookie. Uh, He's only started three games. Uh, he has three penalties, two sacks, and he's allowed 10 pressures in those three games. And then our old friend, Matt Pryor, who started the year at left tackle, is now the right guard. Uh, and he's been awful this year. Six six sacks allowed. He's allowed 30 pressures. And so you can get pressure on Matt Ryan, both up the middle, uh, courtesy of Matt Pryor and off the edge, courtesy of Bernard Raymond. It's going to come down like it did the last several weeks, to if the Eagles can get something figured out with their run defense. You don't want Jonathan Taylor going off for 150 yards on you. You want the ball in Matt Ryan's hands uh, to force him to move it on your defense.
1: Yeah, more breaking news. So the Eagles have officially placed Dallas Goddard on injured reserve uh, as of right now, as we all predicted. But we lose another run defender. Tui Palotu is also now on injured reserve. So that's probably why yeah. Linval Joseph is here now. <laughs> that's addition by subtraction. <laughs> Tui Polotu, hey, he's a good pass rusher. He's been all right as a pass rusher. Um, but yeah, so Dallas Scotter, Tui Polotu on injured reserve. Activated Tyree Jackson from the pup list. Signed safety Marquise Blair to the practice squad, and have opened up the 21 day practice window for Janarius Robinson. So a slew of roster moves. Uh, roster moves is there. Tyree Jackson on the active roster. Dallas Scotter to injured reserve. Tui Polotu also on injured uh, reserve. So that's that. So yeah, as far as the Colts Shane if I asked you who was the leading receiver for the Indianapolis Colts last week if you already didn't look at it, who would you who would you who would you guess?
2: Last week or
1: last week last, week
2: last week. Uh uh, was it Alec Pierce?
1: Nah, not nah, nah, sadly not him. He didn't have a single catch actually, which oh, okay. is I bet on him and that didn't work out. Uh Paris Campbell, seven catches, 78 yards, one touchdown last week. So pick your poison offense, but yeah. Uh the Colts they, they 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 got some good players like you mentioned. I knew the offensive line isn't there. Jonathan Taylor is so good that he's kind of his own offensive line. He seems to be coming into into new life. 6.7 yards per carry last week, 147 yards, two touchdowns. Looking like 2021 uh jonathan taylor but i'm not too concerned with Indianapolis. i'm always wary of teams that are like you know like like i mean they're not undefeated anymore so it's not like they'll be motivated to play spoiler but they really do remind me of how detroit played at the end of the year like a team that's been written off the board now we got a new regime in here we're fired up we want to play for our our coach i don't know if jeff saturday is the is the long-term plan here <laughs> but the players seem to be seem to be responding to him but let's all remember that the Colts be a coach, shouldn't be coaching in Josh McDaniels. I don't know how this guy keeps finding head coaching jobs. Josh McDaniels, like if this doesn't prove that, like if you lose to Jeff Saturday in his head coaching debut, you should not be a head coach. The Raiders are just, I'm glad I'm not a Raiders fan because Derek Carr is like fake crying or whatever is happening. Devontae Adams is over there not happy, and, and they just have a lot of things. They lost everybody, I'm pretty sure. Renfro on IR, I think. Darren Waller on IR. It's, it's, it's a rough scene. For uh, for the Raiders, but yeah, not too concerned about the Colts. But I am weary of just like their uh, their uh, like to, like house money attitude. I guess is what I'll what I'll call it. But yeah, not not a complete level for concern. The Eagles are mad. The Eagles are pissed off. They're coming off that loss. All the 17 and no stuff is over with. As AJ Brown said, obviously expletives that I can't say on on here. <laughs> but family show. I, I think I think yeah, family show here on BGN Radio. But uh, I think I think the Eagles should be able. To to handle business as I look at the game on the surface, they did drop from nine and a half favorites to six and a half favorites, though uh, after after the loss. So there's something to to, to write about if if people need to.
2: <laughs> yeah, the, I'm not concerned about the Colts' passing attack at all. Really, Matty so Ice. Maddie. They've got they've got Michael Pittman Jr., who's a good receiver, but he's not a fast receiver. So he's not the type of guy that you have to be worried about beating you deep. Really, the speed threat they have is. Paris Campbell, like you mentioned, but Campbell takes like 78% of his snaps in the slot. And so you're not as worried about a guy from the slot taking the top off your defense. It's easier to get help over the top of a guy running down the middle of the field uh, than it is a guy running out down the boundary. So the Eagles should be a little more aggressive in this game. In my opinion, you don't have the speed of Terry McClure. I mean, you do Paris Campbell's fast, but you you don't have the speed of Terry McLaurin in the body of a good receiver. Paris Campbell, he's just a speed guy. He's not someone that you're worried about like Terry McLaurin. And so uh, this is a game where I would challenge those guys off the line of scrimmage and not really be as concerned about having to need that safety help over the top. Uh, You want to bounce back game from Darius Slay. You want to instill and show some confidence in him. Uh, the, The really the only thing, the way this game goes off the rails is the same way the last game did. It's going to take some fluky things happening. It's going to take turnovers. It's going to take an inability to get off the field on third downs. You really just don't worry about the Eagles offense. Although the Colts defense is the better part of their team. I don't really worry about the Eagles offense. The Eagles offense has been consistently good. If you remove, you know, the fluky fumbles from the last game, the thing that you're concerned about is the ability to stop the run. And you know, if that, if you're not able to stop the run and some fluky things happen, you're going to find yourself in a dogfight. But I really do expect the Eagles to show in, fired, show up, fired up, pissed off and, and make quick work of the Colts on Sunday. Yes, that would
1: be uh, that would be ideal. So we'll have to see how the Eagles offense moves forward without Dallas Goddard. The earliest Goddard can return is December 18th against the Bears. So we're going to find some stuff out about this team. We're losing some. Maddox is gone now. Goddard is gone now. They're coming off a loss. We're going to see how this team really responds. Everybody wanted to. Oh, we're not going to learn anything about the Eagles until they lose and this and that. Well, we're going to find out on sunday uh, uh against the colts any final point shane you want to uh, you want to touch on before we uh, wrap this up
2: yeah everybody that said they wanted the eagles to face some adversity yeah, I here it is this. <laughs> i didn't want that i wanted the eagles to win every game by 50 so you asked you received uh, be careful what you ask for
1: <laughs> yeah and everyone 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 that dragged us for wanting a tight end at the trade deadline yeah apologize apologize i i take apologies on twitter at the philly pod and i I don't know if shane's accepting them but i'm sure he would like a few thrown his way now alberto is sitting on the bench for denver doing nothing and he could contribute to a super bowl hopeful offense now now we have nothing now it's jack stall and calcaterra time i don't know why you guys are confident in calcaterra and jack stall i know we haven't seen much of them but they're not dallas goddard let's not let's not let's not discredit what dallas goddard means to this offense i'm seeing too many people say like oh we'll be fine this and that no I don't think we will be. But I guess, I guess we'll have to find out. Uh, find out the hard way. Appreciate you guys for listening to this iteration of the EPA podcast right here on Bleeding Green Nation. Be sure to subscribe to them on Apple iTunes, Spotify, everywhere else you can catch podcasts. Subscribe to the feed. All the great shows that BGN uh, has going on. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and all the other platforms at the Philly Pod. Find my written work over at the Liberty Line dot com. Shane, where can the people find you and all the content you got cooking up all week long?
2: Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at half and half underscore TPL. I'm on YouTube at Shane half NFL. Uh, You can follow my podcast Chalk Talk. It's on the YouTube. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, the NFL whole as a whole. So we did our week 10 review show last week. Uh, I'm going to try to get some all 22 content out later this week, but the Monday game really did throw me off. Uh, So I'm not sure how much of that I'm going to be able to get to, but uh, keep it tuned to the bgn feed and to me on twitter
1: isn't it nice to kind of be back on schedule with equals games like all this weird scheduling is over with like we have sunday night with the packers but for the most part it's just back to sundays all this like content is so for the people that don't understand like content creation is tough when the schedule is like this it's really hard it's a, it throws you off your schedule you got late nights it's a it's a whole lot and when you do follow shane on twitter don't make fun of him because he did not pay for his check mark. It's real, all right. So let's not make fun of Shane. Don't don't be like don't be like this man. Pay for Twitter. I know it's crazy now with Elon running the show, but uh, Shane is one of the real ones. So be sure to go follow him. Over I've got it as well.
2: I've got some. I've got some Twitter people. I can't even be mad at Twitter right now. I've got some Twitter <laughs> followers that are looking out for me. Uh, so during the, I was watching the Packers uh, Cowboys game on mm-hmm. Sunday. And after Christian Watson just failed to track that one deep ball from Aaron Rodgers, I tweeted, he may well develop with time, but at this point, Christian Watson is just a bad football player. And then he catches three touchdown passes. So I quote tweeted that two hours later when the game ended. And I said, as I've always said, Christian Watson is a fantastic football player. And one of my followers chimed in and said, hey, two hours is time. You just said he needed time. So So I've got some followers looking out for me, finding some loopholes for me on Twitter.
1: Hey, Christian Watson was one of my favorite receivers in this draft, not for nothing. I was like, when I when before they obviously got AJ Brown, I was looking into guys like him. um I was a big Alec Pierce fan out of Cincinnati. I was like, yo, these guys can play a little bit. They can him with Devontae. I'd like to see that. Uh, obviously, we have AJ, but Christian Watson, he he got thrown into the fire over there in cream Bay, replacing Devontae Adams, is uh, is no easy feat. But he's coming into his own
2: three touchdown game right last week. Yeah,
1: yeah. I've always three, been right about receivers in the
2: draft. Three touchdowns. I've yeah, he was. Been he was always had a lot of physical ability. He was just raw. Was going to need to develop. Like throwing him in as wide receiver one was not the answer. In Philadelphia, and, uh, it would have been a lot better onboarding process for him, where he wasn't <laughs> needing to be the guy right away.
1: Uh, Romeo Dobbs is a rookie too, right? They're just throwing like rookies over there. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it is it is a hell. Of, I've always i've I've always been right about receivers in the draft. By the way, it didn't. Justin Jefferson, slot receivers, right about that. T Higgins bust, right about. Th- <laughs> I've always been right. Denzel Mims is going to be the next. Uh, the next um i don't even know what i compared them to but i was heavy on the mim stream. glad i'm right about christian watson though it's looking like i'm going to be right about that subscribe to the show guys moving forward we'll be back next wednesday with another iteration of the epa podcast hopefully talking about an eagles team that is now nine and one coming off a, uh, a a much needed win after this loss we'll catch you guys on the next one from victor williams and shane half thank you guys for listening to bleeding green nation go birds